Beauty and Brains presents a work in progress. Your favorite weekly podcast all about navigating adulthood and adversity with transparency and vulnerability. Here, we highlight progress over perfection. You're listening to my personal professional development diary, where I share the highs and lows and the real and raw parts of the story that no one talks about. I'm your host, Breland Hunt, a work in progress. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are sound in mind and strong in spirit. Welcome back to A Work in Progress, the podcast. First of all, I just want to start off by talking about how good I look. Okay, if you guys could notice, I'm wearing like the headphones that go into my ears instead of over top of my head because I just look so good that I didn't need the headphones to distract, okay? (laughs) I'm wearing like this really cute, y'all can't even see the full dress hello this is the cutest little dress i got it from misguided um and i'm going to brunch actually so today is sunday that i'm filming this and so i'm hoping that i can film this edit this and upload it before going to brunch uh today's brit's birthday so go ahead follow me over on instagram if you want to see the festivities for today it's really crazy how kind of like the internet works i never film record upload on the same day but we're working on being consistent and so i'm all ready for brunch and i did you know something different with my makeup I basically did the same makeup all the time just because like it's easy and you know where am I going but since I'm doing something different I'm wearing something different I did something different with my makeup and I really like it and I just think it's it's cute it's fun it's early in the morning I normally you know film late at night so this is just a different vibe and I'm just feeling myself and I just want to can we just take a moment because you know as an attractive young girl I really was trained not to talk about myself in order or at least like in a good way in order to not seem like conceited or self-absorbed but sometimes you have to big yourself up and let the world know (laughs) no but honestly like I think it's okay sometimes to be like I look good today you know I look good everybody comment down below I look good today so (laughs) happy Sunday welcome back to a work in progress the podcast um I'm really enjoying being consistent and I just want to keep it going keep it going keep it going This just takes way, it takes a lot more effort than like uploading a vlog every week or even like two vlogs every week. Like this is different, but welcome. (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about dealing with doubt. And this is basically going to be like an honest med school update. Oh no, I'm getting nervous. (laughs) My stomach just did a weird thing. (sighs) So as we know, and it's interesting because my first podcast episode when I talked about my MCAT experience, it was called like doubt, depression, and whatever, um, because I've been experiencing doubt before the MCAT, after the MCAT, before I got my scores, after I got my scores, before applying to medical school, during this period of time while I'm applying to medical school, and you know how they say like the devil is in the details? I believe the big picture like you can't convince me otherwise that I am going to be a doctor I'm going to impact lives in the field of healthcare some way somewhere somehow but the small details of the process bring me fear and somebody said it in my comments you guys are going off in the comments pop off in the comments I'm 
thoroughly enjoying reading them because it, first of all, it just really helps knowing that I'm not alone during this process. But again, just getting your different perspectives and your dif different words of either encouragement, advice, or literally the word from God, which I love. Um, but somebody commented in my last video, doubt is a disease and it really is. And in this season of life, I've been really struggling because doubt is just like creeping up in my mind. And this is basically going to be a continuation of the last video, the last podcast episode that I did where, you know, we talked about how this is a faith season. And I came to that realization and it's like, I kind of knew it, but then I didn't know it. And I think I knew it, but then I didn't realize to what extent, okay, this really is a faith season until I kind of, you know, talked it out with you guys. So thank you therapist for <laughs> talking to me about um, what the season is. And so now understanding that this is a faith season, um, let's just talk about my week. I think it'll put things what, which way do I want to start first? Okay, so I'll start here with a comment that I got on my last podcast, but it actually was a comment on the website. Check out brelimhunt.com if you guys haven't already. I spend so much time on the website. I think it looks really good and it's a really fun space to like, just a really good hub for everything. So I would love it if you guys, by the way, also rate the podcast, five-star ratings only. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave a review. Tell them how much you love a girl. Five star reviews only. Anyway, so on my website, um, I have like a blog post for each podcast episode. And so this is my first commenter on a blog post, which is pretty cool. So thank you so much um, from Alex for commenting. And, you know, his comment was, it wasn't hurtful. It doesn't, it definitely wasn't hurtful, but it made me be like, mm, because the thing about comments, right, when it comes to like YouTube or social media is that it only hurts if you know that they're like a little bit true. Like if somebody says, oh my gosh, you white woman, <laughs> I would be like, I don't care because I know that you're not telling the truth, you know? But if somebody says something like, she thought that she was cute with that purple eyeshadow today, I would be like, am I not? Because I know that I thought that I was cute, you know what I'm saying? Um, but if I feel, but at the same time, that's a bad example because it would be more like, if I low-key knew I jacked up on my purple eyeshadow, but I was like, it's fine, it's fine. And then somebody was like, girl, that purple eyeshadow looks a mess. Then I'd be like, yikes, I low-key knew that that, you know. But sometimes you can't be as honest with things like that because it's not as surface as purple eyeshadow. So let me read his comment, okay? He says, I feel like I am in the same boat as you. And honestly, I say Alex, Alex can be a woman or a man. So they say, I feel like I'm in the same boat as you. It's taken me a long time to be a dentist. Studying for the DAT exam is a struggle because I have to work full time and take care of a loved one. Sometimes I wonder if this is really my calling. So why do you have to start over? This is something that I mentioned in my last podcast, Recovering from Burnout. It seemed like you were doing everything right. Also, can you speak more on your journey? Like, are you getting interviews? We watch you because we truly enjoy your journey to med school, but you don't really speak on what is happening now. Also, please do a hair routine. Your, your hair is popping. Thank you so much. I'm having a great hair day, so thank you. Um, so <laughs> like when I saw that, I was like, oh, yay, like a comment. I was excited. You know, he compliment, she, they complimented my hair. But then I was like, I know I really haven't been sharing my my medical school journey and the reason for that is that I have this thing where I want to wait until things 
are all put together. If I'm in a bad season and I'm having faith that things are going to change, or if I'm just not quite sure how things are going to work out, if I gather my thoughts, my ideas, how I'm feeling in the meantime in solitude, it's easier at the end to be like, I knew it all along. You know, here I am, Dr. Breland, going to this medical school. Welcome to the journey. But it's like, I'm not actually bringing you guys along with me during this work in progress journey. And I know that's what I said. But it's just harder said than done because at the end of the day, it's like I have that means I have to bring you guys along with me in the moment where I'm not confident, where I don't know, where I'm not sure. And that's a level of vulnerability that I'm willing to go to and share with you all. But on the other side of things, I'm trying to be very intentional about the words that I speak over my life. Right. So we talked about this in the last podcast where I've gotten really particular about the music that I'm listening to, the people who I'm surrounding myself with, the affirmations that I'm using in order to speak life over my life and my situation. And I'm having to force myself to surround myself, to seclude myself in faith and sometimes talking so vividly, so openly, so colorfully about my experience without seeing the end goal, without already knowing. Like it's one thing if I was already accepted into medical school right now and I was like, man, I know if I was gonna make it, like that's fine because I did make it. And then I can say, but God came through. But it's harder in the process to say, I know without a doubt, like to sit here and be so confident when I'm dealing with doubt. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Like I'm dealing with doubt on an everyday basis and I don't want to speak that over my life and even to you all. I don't want like, I don't want to elevate to amplify doubt. I want to diminish doubt and I want to just amplify faith. And sometimes my mouth can mess things up for me. I can say things that I may mean deep down in my heart, but Just because that there is a speckle of doubt doesn't mean that there's a lot of faith, but whatever I speak is going to come to light. So I'm trying not to speak things that I may have a small slithering of fear about because then it kind of cancels out my faith. So here I am in my medical school journey and things are not going the way that I want them to go. So now I guess we can start off about how my past like kind of two weeks have been. So Last week on a Monday, I have like, honestly, I'm so blessed. Amen. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just have to take a moment. So I'm so blessed because um, I have this medical school mentor who, I mean, I have a lot of different mentors at this point in my life, which is really great. And they're coming from different areas or even if just people are tapping in or whatever it is. So this particular person, she works in an upcoming medical school. She's like on the admissions, things like that. So she's like in the field of medicine. Um, she's a doctor herself, but she's a PhD doctor. So she's just really, she's connected. She gives me a lot of great perspective. And just a person to talk to about higher education because, um, again, I don't have a lot of people to talk to. I'm, I'm grateful to say that I have more than none. Like there was a point where I had nobody to talk to other than just like maybe my advisors at school who I 
don't always really truly believe that they were like rooting for me. Like I think that they're rooting for everybody, but especially like at Spelman, if you weren't like in the top percentage of like that biology, biochem group of people, they kind of discounted you to go into medical school. And they kind of were just like, you should try postbacks, you should, you should do whatever. And it was very hard to receive like advising. And there were definitely some people who helped me along the way and who pointed me in the right direction. But I haven't really received one-on-one true genuine honest and good advising throughout my medical school process you know this goes into that whole first gen thing I'm literally figuring it out as I'm going and I'm making a lot of mistakes on the way and so rewinding back even further to give you guys like a full viewpoint of things right so I took my MCAT in May and I pushed that test back so many times I thought I was going to take it in January and then March and then April and then I end up taking it in May the application for the MCAS opened up in May in the beginning of May I took my MCAT in the middle of May so I did not work on my application at all until I was done with my MCAT So I started like working on my personal statement while I was in Tulum. Like when I went to my friend's graduation celebration vacation, um, I, that's when I first started working on my application. It's when I first started working on my personal statement and my, um, and this is my first time applying. So there's so much to write and not only write, but like draft, like you have to have a really good application. And although I feel like I had all the pieces, getting it on paper, getting it written, getting it advised getting it revised it took way longer than I expected and I really thought that I people tell you you know you need about three months for your personal statement and I had everything kind of like written out in like and literally my personal statement is completely different than what I thought it was going to be and it took me so long to finish it and even I was about to press submit and then somebody gave me corrections on it and I ended up taking like two more weeks and turning it around and a lot of stuff was just like it it just took a really long time and again also being on other people's schedule because I've never applied to medical school before I don't know what is impressive and what's not what's right and what's wrong what's the right wording what's the right process of things so trying to receive advice from other people you have to be on their time so if I finish something and it takes them a week to get back to me then it takes me a week to do the revisions then it takes them a week to get back to me like just weeks on weeks then months on months started going by so I did not submit my application until the last week of August which is extremely late and to give myself some grace right after I took my MCAT and then I went to Tulum even though I started working on my application, right at that time, my job called me to come back in order to scribe for my practice. So I I literally would have taken another month, if not at least like two, three weeks off to get my application going and to rest. And that's why I was burnt out is because I didn't get time to rest after my MCAT. I literally hit the ground running. So I was doing social media, which I was excited to be back because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not I don't, I'm not in the seclusion area anymore for my MCAT, but I really should have remained secluded in order to finish my application because I didn't realize how much in how intense it would be and how much attention that it would need. So I'm back at work. I'm not only going back to work, but I'm also learning a new skill. Like I was being trained on how my doctor likes to be scribed for. And so it wasn't like I was able to go 
and multitask or like just like my mind was fully at work while I was at work. And I also just want to say this because I remember in one of my MCAT week videos um, when somebody just asked me like, what's one thing that you wish you would have known? And I come, this is a very much so a side note and somebody, and I commented to them, like, I wish I would have just quit my job, like right off the bat. And then somebody commented and was like, I don't know why you would say that. Like everybody can't quit their job. And I completely agree. And I completely understand. And they were like, you know, you can do both at the same time. Like I worked while I studied for the MCAT. That's absolutely true. This person here, Alex is working while full time while I'm studying for the DAT. I think, and again, as you guys hear me talk more and more about my job, my job is very unique in that it requires a lot for me. The hours are really long. I think that it was, in one sense, I thought it would be a great gap year job. And in, in, in the terms of like the experience and the exposure and the hands-on stuff, it is. But to do anything else at the same time, it's not. So you know, pros and cons to every situation. And I'm pretty sure if I was a medical assistant at a different practice where there was maybe more of a team, um, where it was more of a team, if there was more people, if there were less providers, if it was, I think that it would be different. I could probably study while also, you know, running my, my provider or I would get off earlier and I could get home in. But for me, and my practice, it was like, it was impossible to do both. It's not impossible for everybody everywhere. So I just want to put that out there because, I always think about that person kind of like going in on me, like, why would you tell them to quit their job? And I get everybody can't quit their job. And I don't think everybody should quit their job. But for me, it's like I kind of had to because of my job. So I say that to say that I was very much so consumed with my job as I always am because my job is just very consuming. I'm also preparing for Miss Marilyn at this time. I believe I had just about a month and like, maybe a half, maybe a month and a half to fully dedicate, like focusing on preparing for Miss Marilyn. And even then, like I said, I wasn't fully focusing on it because I was going back to working and then I was also working on my application. So I was very much so split brained. I was split minded. I was doing a lot of things at the same time. And, um, and then I had the audacity to think that I could start this podcast at the same time dumb. <laughs> but that's like just the perspective of things where finally once Miss Marilyn ended and then I had my birthday trip. So that middle of the year, May, June, July, I was really like, I just had a lot of things going on to where it took me a long time to get my application done. And I think that like, if God forbid I have to apply again, it won't take me as long because I, even if I like, you know, update my personal statement, I have a good base that I've gone through six different edits for. And, you know, my, all my activities are written out to a T perfectly to the limit. And I've put in all of my different schools in the system before, like each of those things just took weeks on weeks on weeks. And so long story short, my application was in late and I wasn't happy about it, but it's the reality. It went in late. So we already talked about the fact that there was so much writing on my MCAT and you guys and everybody wasn't like this. Some people were really upset at me and some people were like, I get it. I understand, but I wish you would tell me in regards to my MCAT score. It took me a while to open it up. I actually didn't open up my scores until I like a week or two before I was about to press submit to my application. I was like, oh, I should probably know before I press submit. Like my application is basically done. I'm going to submit it regardless, but let me just check to make sure. 
And I definitely was disappointed with my score. Again, I'm not going to say what it is. And I know people really want to know, but I, I just, just as a side note, I want you to ask yourself, why do you want to know exactly what my score is? It's either to compare yourself to it, to make yourself feel better or worse, to be nosy, just to know what I got. Maybe again, to use it for your own benefit in regards to like the MCAT program or the resources that I used, or just simply again, to, to know my business and to low key, just judge me just to kind of like judge, okay, well, you're saying these things and you're doing these things, but what were the, the, what's the outcome of it? So I just don't feel like it'll actually benefit you to know my score without knowing the results of if I get into school or not. So I think that I will share my score one day. But just with, you know, all the noises going on in my own head and in my own heart, I don't think it's helpful to have strangers or even people who are, you know, my internet friends judge me when I'm already kind of like judging myself. I just don't think it's healthy for me. So I have my score. I'm not healthy with it. I'm not gonna, not healthy with it. I have my score. I'm not happy with it. I don't feel comfortable sharing it at this time, but I probably will share at the end of the application season, whether it's that I have to repeat it or I got in a medical school and I got in with this score. So just like be patient, but just in the meantime, I just don't think it's healthy to hear other people's perspectives when I already have like, things going on in my own head. So I submitted my application the end of August, um, not happy with my score, but submitting it anyway. And then I started working on my secondaries. I remember the first secondaries that I started to get back. Um, some of them clearly said that I did not meet the MCAT minimum. And so I was thinking to myself like, dang, do I even want to waste my time filling out all these essays and also my money? when these schools are literally telling me I don't meet their minimum or am I going to apply by faith, right? So I decided to apply by faith to these schools anyway. And then um, I've been in this like kind of waiting period. So I applied in kind of like sections. So I did like my first five schools, I believe, or maybe it's like five or seven schools. And then I got their secondaries back. And then I waited about, you know, two weeks and then I sent them off. And then I did it again by 10 schools, two weeks, sent them off. 10 schools, maybe like, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't like 10, 10, 10, but it was like five, 10, seven, <clears throat> three, <clears throat> like that. <laughs> I don't know why I just had a frog in my throat. Sorry about that audio listeners. But yeah, so overall I ended up applying to like, I have to count the number. It's somewhere between 20 and 25 schools, um, which is a lot. And it's been very expensive for sure. Um, so but I wanted to cast my net wide and I wanted, you know, the best opportunity for me based off of like what I could literally afford to get into a school. And I did apply to all MD schools and I didn't apply to any Texas schools. Um, I did want to apply to Texas schools, but again, my application was so late. There was even a period of time where um, like one of my advisors told me this was maybe back in like June. My advisor told me like, you need to get another letter of recommendation from a professor from your graduate school because I had like one from undergrad, two from graduate school, one from work, and one from um, the Miss Maryland organization, like to speak about my community service. And so they were like, you need another letter of recommendation. And I sent my letter of rec packets out to my professors like in probably in May. No, I, I sent them out in April. Like I sent them out 
between April and May, like right before the application opened up, I sent these letters out to people and it took some people a long time to get back to me. Once everybody got things back, I felt like, okay, cool. That, that was the first thing that I had done were my letter of recs. Um, and I felt like they're all pretty strong and I felt confident about all the people who I asked for. And then somebody said, you need another science one specifically from graduate school. And I already had two, but I guess he was like, you need three. You need to drop your one from undergrad. You need to get somebody who got an A in in graduate school. I'm counting my fingers like I don't got that many of those ended up reaching out to somebody she took a long time to respond back to me but when she did that was probably in the beginning of August because it wasn't until they got back to school she wrote me a letter and yeah so there was always something going back and forth like it really is a lot to apply to medical school you guys like I mean I have spreadsheets I have like a notion like database with everything like keeping up with professors keeping up with my job with Miss Marilyn things like it was a lot of things going on at the same time. But anyway, fast forward, I'm applying to these secondaries, I'm writing my essays, I first started off getting them approved or like, um, revised by a couple of people. And then people started taking too long. And I would realize that their revisements wouldn't be that significant, because I'm hate to brag on myself, but I'm low key a good writer. Like I talk about this kind of often, like writing is a skill that I have. I pop off when it comes to writing. So I felt pretty confident in that I could basically write my secondaries, especially after getting like, you know, you get the same secondary questions basically all the time. It's just a matter of like word limit and some things are different, but why do you want to go to the school? Why this disadvantage, COVID, whatever. So once I had like the majority of my statements and, and, also, I didn't pre-write any of my secondaries. I didn't pre-write them because um, I didn't have any time to. The whole year I was studying for the MCAT. So I just didn't have any time. So I was writing my secondaries as I was receiving them. And so once I got like a good bank of them, then I started to apply to more at one time. And um, so I started submitting those out. And like I said, by time I realized, okay, I got a pretty good handle of how I'm responding back to these secondaries. Um, I stopped sending them to people to revise them. That way I could get them submitted faster. And then I basically would just wait until I got a check and I would blow the whole check on secondary fees because they are really expensive. And I didn't end up getting the fee assistance program. So I am paying for all of this on my own out of my pocket. So yeah, pray for your sis. <laughs> and so I finished all of my secondaries. Um, I think I have like maybe one school who I haven't heard anything back from, not secondaries or denied from, probably in like November, maybe like the end of October. And then it's just been this waiting game. And the thing is that, you know, I, oh, I also, I didn't mention this. I did like this Casper thing. I mean, you guys are like in the healthcare field. And I think even other like things, other people do Casper as well. But it was like um, a, what was it? I, I honestly can't remember. I very much so blank. I almost missed out on it. But there's a girl at my job who's also applying for the MCAT. She just graduated from Howard. And we just happened to be discussing like our application process. And she reminded me of it. And I signed up and I took it the next day. So it was kind of like this weird thing where you they, they give you situations and then you have to like type out your responses. And it's timed. And it was I didn't it's like it's really annoying because it's basically another way for them to weed out people 
before giving them an interview and I don't know how I did on my Casper. So I felt like I'm definitely a person who can thrive in an interview. I could really sell myself. And I'm like, I mean, for the, from the beginning, I've been like, if you just give me a seat in that interview room, I can kill it. I can slay it. I'm getting into that school if you just give me a seat at that interview table. But getting to the interview room is going to be the hardest part um, because I'm afraid of getting weed out because of my undergraduate GPA, because of my MCAT. And so I just feel like my application, it, it literally, I, I think that's why I kind of went through that depressive state. I know that's why in that, you know, October, November part of the year, because it really was like my worst nightmare. I knew that if I didn't do well on my MCAT with my undergraduate GPA, that I would be weeded out from these schools and not even really given a chance. And so in the beginning of November, I started getting back, you know, no's, 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 no's left and right. And now I'm at the point where the no's have slowed down, um, but there haven't been any interview invites. So I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And I brought up the Casper because I had to submit that before my application was complete for a couple of schools. And so at first I was like, well, my Casper isn't in yet. So I'm not receiving any anything, yes or no's from any schools because like my application just isn't complete. And then once it was in, I was like, well, then it has to take a minute to verify. And then once it's verified, I'm like, okay, you know, it's just very difficult because I have to remind myself like, you know, we have to talk about comparison. It has to be a completely different episode. But in this period of time, I'm trying to just focus on myself and that I have a different experience. Like I submitted my application later and I did my Casper at the last date. And so I'm not going to be getting interviews the same time as other people because I didn't submit in May. I submitted in August, basically September. So I know I just have so many red flags in my application with it being late. And like I said, my GPA and my MCAT and things that, I mean, there's, it's going to be, it's going to be close. It's going to be slim. It's going to be close, but it's not impossible. And so that's where I'm at right now. I'm in this, this hibernating phase of faith where I'm just trying to remain hopeful because I still have a good, maybe 10, 12 applications out there and that's a lot of opportunity for a possible interview. And if I get an interview from just one of those schools, that's, you know, that's one acceptance. All I need is one. All I need is one. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically where I've been at right now, where I'm waiting and I don't really want to share because I don't want to, I don't want to share prematurely and bind myself to speaking death over the process. Because waiting does not mean denied. Like I'm not, I haven't even wait listed. I have to do an interview to do that first. Um, but we know, and I know specifically, like the power of life and death is in the tongue. And even though my heart has doubts, I can't have them control my mind and ultimately my words. So that's why I've been kind of silent about the journey because giving early access to such a touchy subject that I'm really struggling to have faith about or having faith with, um, I understand that it can put me in a position to take away my own blessing by cursing it with disbelief. So I'm trying to find a way to balance being real and raw with you guys, like how I promised when I said that's what this podcast is going to be about and sharing this journey with you as I am a work in progress, but again, not blocking my own blessings. So whew, 
that's the update. <laughs> so right now I have just been praying to the Lord to help my unbelief. And the thing is, which I love in the Bible, and I don't remember what pastor brought to the brought this to my attention or if it was a devotional, but somebody mentioned about how it didn't say like, I don't believe at all. It's just saying like, out of all that I believe, I have this sliver, sliver of me that doesn't believe that it has a little bit of unbelief, like just help that part of me so that all of me can believe. That's where I'm at, where I'm praying every day. Like I really like, and it, it you know, the days differ. Sometimes I'm like, I feel it. It's coming. Today's the day. I'm going to get an interview invite today. I feel it. I feel it. It's coming. It's coming. Like people ask me, it's coming. It's on its way soon. And then other days I'm like, is this going to happen for me? Like, is this, is this even possible? Am I, am I wasting my, uh, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. But I'm asking for him to build more of that belief. I'm asking him to help build the belief that I do have and to break down those fears and the doubt that I also have. So yeah, to share mid prayer kind of feels wrong, which is why I've been private. Um, it's just not testimony time yet. I love to come back with a testimony, but you can't really testify in the middle of the process. Um, and so to go on back to my week, so I had this mentor of mine kind of reach out to somebody who she knows in the medical school industry, who's on an advisory board to kind of like look at my application, give me an audit in order to give me advice. Like, do I need to send letter of intent, letter of interest? Like, what do I need to do in order to start hearing back and to move this process forward? And she gave me the most honest, but hurtful review of my application. And I think this is, it was very interesting because this was the first time that somebody was able to look at my application as a whole submitted. There's people who looked at it before I got my um, MCAT score, or you may know my GPA, but you know, you don't know my MCAT score or, you know, my uh, statements or, you know, my personal, my personal statement or my activity statements. But this was the first time that she was able to see everything together. And this was even the first time because I had downloaded my application before I verified it. And that's what I was like looking back towards or even sending off to different people. And I hadn't looked at the way that my GPA trend was over the years. And she basically, again, being real and honest and very kind and very nice, but just honest, told me that if I was her advisee, that she would have never allowed me to apply to medical school with my transcript looking the way that it looks. And I'm like, but you know, but my graduate score, but I did better in grad school. And she's like, yeah, you did, but still. And so she basically kind of just implanted in me that this process is probably going to be longer than I expected. She thinks that I should start over by basically doing like a DIY post back and start taking undergraduate classes over because they won't replace my undergraduate scores, but I just need to like get some A's on that undergraduate. And she's like, your graduate score is good, but your undergrad is just kind of like, it's impossible to overlook it even with your graduate GPA and that I basically just have to like start over. And if I'm going to do it while working full time, I'm going to have to do it slowly and carefully because I can't make any more mistakes and I have to get A's in these classes. So if that means taking one class a semester until I get that undergraduate GPA to a place that won't get screened out, 
it's going to take time. She's like, it's going to take many semesters. It's going to take many years. And I mean, that's the last thing that I want to hear. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm ready to get the ASAP. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I told you guys, it's, it's not healthy how much weight, how much I'm putting on this new chapter of my life that I'm just ready to start it's like I'm at the door knocking please let me in let me in I'm trying to move on I want to be in a new city I want to be a new place I want to be a new chapter I want to create new content I want to just I'm just I'm sick and tired of being here and I'm like I promise you I'm not going to be here this time next year I'm not I refuse and so with you telling me I have to start over I mean, it just broke me because I'm like, not only does this suck, but also it, it really is disheartening to know that my experience at Spellman when I just didn't know any better, I was really just trying my best. Sometimes I got distracted. Sometimes my goals were off and I just thought, hey, I made it through. It'll be okay. That that is still haunting me to this day and I really can't move on beyond it and it's like how is everybody else able to move on from their past mistakes and this thing is just like a thorn in my side that I can't get over it's driving me crazy so I have this conversation with her and I'm pouting for like two weeks um and I this is what I told you guys last time I was just sad and like I said but I still have this idea where I'm like I mean that's one report right like I can listen to you I can believe you or I cannot. And I can say, I mean, that's a chance or there's a chance that I could still get in this this season. And, you know, she asked me the question, which I'm pretty sure some of you all are thinking as well. Like if people are saying that you probably won't get in this season and if you do get in, you'll probably struggle. Like wouldn't you want to start over from the beginning, rebuild your foundation. And that way, when you do apply again, you'll have a strong one. You'll know that you'll get in. And even in medical school, you'll thrive. Yes, but also no, because I personally would rather be crying my eyes out, like stressed, depressed, don't know if I can make it to the next day in medical school next year than be in the same position working slowly and surely towards being in medical school in three years, personally. I, I'm like, I won't flunk out. I won't. I won't flunk out. And whether I don't care if I'm not at the top of my class. I just want to get there and I just want to make it through because I know that if I get in, I won't quit. I won't fail. I just got to get in. And so... I'm listening to what she's saying. I'm understanding the implications of my past decisions. And it's very hard to live with knowing that like, wow, like, you know, life happened and I just have to like deal with it. Then later on in the week, I actually got an email from somebody on the admissions um, board of a medical school that I did get it denied from. And she basically was like, hey, I would love to just chat with you and kind of go over what I feel like you can improve in your application um, if you do have to apply another year, et cetera. And I was very, very grateful for that. I was like, oh my gosh, like, yes, I would love to. I have a call with her. And that was like the craziest day because like I was running um, one of the providers and like it basically like it ran over into my lunchtime. And if there's one thing about me, I do not play about my hour lunch because I don't get paid for my lunch, which is just also a scam. So if I'm here, like my lunch break is at 1 p.m. 
I like to be done. Like the last patient is at 1230. So by 1245, my lunch needs to be in the microwave. You know what I'm saying? I need to be chilling because I need that hour to decompress or again, that's my only hour of daylight to myself. I just really like to have my lunch break. And so if I am working into 1245 to one o'clock and don't let it be one o'clock to anywhere else, I'm mad. I'm pissed because I'm like, you're not paying me for the work that I'm doing right now. And it's slowly but surely eating away at my mental health because I can't have this personal time to myself. It may sound so dramatic to some people, but if you know, you know. So I'm basically pissed because it's like 1.15. I'm supposed to have this call with her at one o'clock and I'm still having to like literally do like a miniature procedure. Um, and I'm like on the phone with her, like in an AirPod while I'm like hiding in a room trying to like wash this thing called like a pessary which is like my least favorite. Oh my gosh, I literally hate. Just, I don't even want to tell you to Google it. It's not going to seem nasty unless you know. And if you've seen it, but just know, like I was just mad. I was just like, ah. And at the same time, I'm like trying to have this conversation with this woman. So anyway, she gives me again a lot of great advice. Everybody's really nice. They love everything else on my application. She's like, you know, your clinical stuff is great. Your experience is great. Your volunteers are great. Your letter recommendations, oh my gosh, they're great. Like you just need to get this GPA together. And I'm like, <laughs> the death of me is going to be this stupid GPA. But she tells me, I don't want you to take the undergraduate classes over. I want you to take more master's classes, more graduate classes. She's like, your graduate GPA was great. Clearly you can handle it. Just take more of those classes to show that you can handle the upper level coursework. And I'm like, isn't that what the whole master of physiology was supposed to do? If it was good enough, why do I have to take more? Do you know how expensive that is? Do you know how time consuming it is? Like if I, just to think about if I had to take a class right now, and if I just had to take one in order to ensure that I was giving it all of my attention and doing well and getting an A in that class, like going to work, going like to take a class maybe at 7 p.m. at University of Maryland, like driving there, like the thought of it, the thought of it. I can't imagine balancing that right now. Like I can barely do what I'm already doing. And so... It, it again was disheartening and also confusing because I'm like, you're telling me something different than somebody else told me and y'all both are on a mission boards for medical school. So that's that's my medical school journey. That's where I'm at right now, where I'm trying to stay sane and I'm trying to remain faithful and I'm trying to give myself some grace because it feels like my past is a tattoo on the top of my forehead that is claiming that I'm not good enough and I'm trying to like wipe it off and just declare that I am but it makes it so hard because I feel like I'm speaking against what's like what feels like could be the inevitable so let's bring some Jesus up into this right <laughs> because this is getting depressing <sighs> What I'm so grateful for right now is that both Darius Daniels and Michael Todd are having like faith sermon series because Lord knows that I need it. And in one of Darius Daniels um, messages, he was talking about how I'm imperfect, right? I'm a human being. I'm on this earth. I'm going to be imperfect. My life is going to be impacted by the imperfect imperfections 
of my nature, whether it be the decisions that I've made, the thoughts that I think I am imperfect. And that also means that I have imperfect emotions. So sometimes I have fear when I shouldn't. And sometimes I have doubt when I shouldn't, but I'm imperfect. So it's going to happen. God is the only one who feels perfectly. And at the end of the day, and because of that, I have to realize that just because the feelings are real doesn't mean they're right. So even though I've possibly, probably have mismanaged opportunities, it doesn't mean that I'm dumb. It means that I'm human. In his sermon series, he talked about how failure can be a path to possibilities. And just as a side note, I can see how this can already be the truth because, you know, with me speaking to different people and feeling like, uh, I'm getting a lot of no's, I need more options, I need, you know, to put myself out there, I'm doing more research and even applying to schools that I probably wouldn't have applied to in the first place. But like, what if that's exactly what God wanted? You know what I'm saying? To get me to that place, that city, that town, beat that person. Like, there's always, like, I think one of the biggest things I think everybody has a different thing that kind of makes them be in awe of God for me it's omnipresence right so that word meaning is like knowing all things I know he knows what happens before during and after and so because of that he can create his perfect will for me even if things seem bad, even if things seem wrong, even if things seem out of order, and even if they are not what I want them to be, these are things that he is creating on my path in order for his overarching good in my life. And I genuinely believe that because there are so many times where I can look back at my past now that I'm older and I've had life experiences to be able to be like, that was God whether you put me in the right place or whether you put me in the wrong place to meet the right person to change my perspective. Like it's, it's all perspective. We talked about this perspective is expensive. Outcome is based on whether I see failure as a place or a path. And I'm working on changing my view of failure. Like I said, part of it can be like, I'm stuck you know, everybody's basically telling me, even though it's not over yet, it's not over to the fat lady sings. Just for context, people can give interview invites all the way up until the end of March. So even though it's December and it's late, it's definitely late not to hear anything, not to hear any interview invites. It's not impossible. I still have multiple schools out there who I haven't heard from yet. So changing my view of failure and making it so that failure itself is not the final say. Failure is not fatal. It's not final. It's just about how you see it. Like I said, part of it could be me feeling stuck as if I failed during this time and that I have to restart over. Or it could be a shift in a different direction. Like if it's God's will for me to be waitlisted or even put in a different type of post-bac program to where I do have a linkage to a medical school in one year after doing MCAT and undergraduate classes underneath a program, which is a possibility, something that I'm like, listen, I'm still gunning for option A, plan A, but if I have to do something else, that is what I'm leaning towards, where I'm like, if I could get into a post-bac specifically with the medical school, because unfortunately my master's program, it wasn't the post-bac that I wanted it to be, that I thought it was, and I don't really want to do another post-bac, 
because I'm like, I already have a master's degree. I'm already thousands of dollars in debt. I want to be in medical school. But if it's God's will for me to gain network, gain community, be able to move somewhere different in a year in order to focus on my application, for me to be a student again full time, even if it's not in the capacity that I want it to be in, but it's in what I need. You know what I'm saying? Like he's always going to give you what you need and not always what you want. I want to be in medical school right now. I want to be in a different area of my life, whether it be literally physically, mentally, emotionally, like academically, I just want something different. And I believe because I believe in his omnipresence that he's going to provide what I need from all the things that I want. I just have to trust him in this process and that even these things that feel like failure, that they're actually pointing me in the direction of the path of what's ultimately good for me. What he wants to do to us, through us, and for us is not just tied to our goodness, tied to his omnipresent goodness. It's his will, not mine. So that's my update. I'm basically just understanding that I can't let failure have the final say and that I have to trust his plan and his timing no matter how hard and difficult that is. While I'm sharing, as I'm a work in progress, I'm just trying to be very intentional because I understand how condemnation, guilt, and shame are kryptonite to my faith because they put me in a place and a position where I don't feel worthy or deserving of what the Lord says that he will do and what he wants to do in my life to me, for me, and through me. So, That's where I'm at right now. I hope that you guys help me in this faith season. Please don't tear me down because then I won't want to share. And I'll just come back with my testimony because let me tell you something. I'm going to make it. Okay. I'm going to make it. I want to share with you all, but I also want to protect my faith. So this is my way of doing so. And I hope that you all enjoyed this episode. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and share some kingdom keys because I believe that God speaks to us in various different ways. Joshua, y'all skip past this story in the Bible. Joshua told the sun, stand still. Do you know how much gangster and how much faith you have to walk in to tell the thing that comes up and goes down every single day? pause and I believe that God allowed that to be in the Bible to show you that what seems impossible if you would speak to it you could cause for the first time in history see everybody wants to do what's been done God's into doing firsts If they've never done it before, Will. God's just looking for somebody to believe that he can do it one time. I don't hear of the sun standing still no other time. But Joshua got the benefit of being the first. Because of his faith talk. So my question is, do you talk in faith? Because if you talk in faith, your confessions change. Say faith talk. As it was for Peter, so it is for you and me. It's possible to experience personal failure to the degree that you make assumptions about your assignment. Yeah. 
what message are you allowing the failure to send to you? <sighs> Did you hear what I just said? Jesus never said he was done with Peter. But somebody told Peter that it's probably failure because failure has a voice. See, failure doesn't just talk to you about your past. Failure talks to you about your future. <laughs> yeah, when you fail in that present, failure starts talking to you now about what's not going to happen in the future and what you just blew in the future and what cannot happen in the future. And I believe failure started talking to Peter. Even when you thought it was just your skill, it was still me. Even when you weren't looking toward me, I was looking out for you. It, I caused it to rain on the just and the unjust. I give you what John Wesley calls prevenient grace. It is grace that is extended to you before you have a revelation of what grace is. It is grace that draws you into a revelation of God's grace. It is grace that you are mislabeling before you get in relationship with God. It's grace you call luck. You called it fortune. And God's like you had no idea. I've been looking out for you in this previous season because I knew there was coming a season where you would be mine. It's always been me. Okay, and last but not least, we are going to end this episode off right with a few minutes of guided affirmations to keep our spirits up and focused as we move throughout our day. Remove all distractions and verbally repeat these words after me. The road ahead may be unseen, but I walk by faith and not by sight. I am stronger than negative thoughts. I surrender to God. I trust God with my life. My faith in God sets me free from worry, anxiety, and doubt. I am letting go of all pressure and stress. I am faithful that God is in control. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you're not already watching the pod, don't forget there are accompanying video podcasts on my YouTube channel, Beauty and Brains. So join me over there and subscribe to that channel as well. And leave a comment if you're watching right now. And if you made it to the end, I love you guys. Wasn't this a good podcast episode? I stand. I loved it. <laughs> but if you're watching, leave a comment. And if you're listening, five-star reviews rate the podcast anyway you can follow me on instagram and tiktok at breland hunt or visit my website breelandhunt.com for weekly podcast updates or to contact me to share your story until next time be sure to live each day to the fullest because you only live once and give yourself some grace we are all just a work in progress i'll see you guys next week <laughs>